right. Welcome back. Here we are. Here we are. Science in between episode 33. Diggity Look at diggity that. 33. Yeah. I know. I have no puns or jokes or anything no. for 33. This, well, okay. So here, it, this isn't really a pun or a joke, but this is, um, this is a, a thing when we were, we were in Ireland. Um, like th- this number is a great one to hear Irish people oh, yeah. say. That's it's right. Just, it's 33. Yeah. And then if it's, and then if you're really looking for the, the winner here, it's 33 and a turd. Oh, uh, that's yeah. great. So that's money in the bank right there. Like the, the Irish in there. Yeah. 33 yeah. and a turd. And you got a pretty good Irish accent right there. That's great. Well, that actually that, what I just did there is more like a leprechaun-y sort of mocking Irish accent. Like I, I, I could probably, well, when I'm around, I, I think this is true of lots of people. Like when you go and you're in a place for a while, you sort of, like when I'm around Irish people, I used to be, I haven't been around Irish people in a while. So, but, but it used to be like when I was around Irish people, like I, I quickly start picking up some sure. of the accent, like a little bit, like I still sound like an American, but I sound like an American who, you know, living in Ireland. It's like when I go back home, back to Pittsburgh, I, I start. Oh, I thought you meant Italy. No, back to, no, you know. no, not, not back to Italy. <laughs> uh, when I go back to Pittsburgh, I, uh, I pick up all of the slang and I have to like kind of go through a cleansing period when I come back. <laughs> a high colonic to get yeah. your language. Purge all of it out of my, uh, my lexicon, right? <laughs> it's like purge it. Yeah. Like a little computer. You have a little button on the side where you just like purge, purge. Right. Yeah. Well, it, well, here we are. This is Ollie. <laughs> this is Scott. Scott. <laughs> and this is science in between. And nice. Uh, today, what we thought we'd talk about, I, I thought we'd get us back on track because we could just, you know, yammer forever because that's, that's, yeah, yeah, that's what we were doing for the, you know, 20 minutes before we hit that's the record right. button. The part right. that wasn't in the show that could have been in the show, but is right. Right. So the, uh, the, the focus today is it, it, we're, we're recording this as things are starting to open up and we're starting to see that, uh, schools are going to go back to, uh, or the, at the time this episode's dropped, maybe your district is already gone back uh, to more full-time instruction. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and that's a real promise and that's a real uh, hopeful thing because I, you know, as the vaccines are getting, you know, like uh, my wife works at a school district and the entire school system, all the teachers and counselors, everybody who wanted to get vaccinated, got vaccinated. Uh, They're working through the schools. And by the time this episode drops, it will be that. And so they're bringing back the students. And, uh, and so what we wanted to do was, was frame this, uh, conversation today about like what what we learned or what education has learned from this pandemic, and what are some of the things that we're hoping we're we're gonna you know look forward to or or want to learn or want to see in the in the coming months, things that we're interested in 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 seeing or learning or studying or examining in the in the coming months and next year. And so, I frame that well. Yeah, that was yeah. that was lovely, lovely. <laughs> Thanks. It was lovely. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was good. I think, um, yeah, we're, we're, uh, well, you know, and I think, um, for those of you who this is your first episode and you're just joining us, thank you for for joining us. Where have you been? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure I want to send you into the back catalog. Somebody recently asked me what my favorite episode of this show was. And I was like, I I really should have a good answer for that. Like you and I need to work out like what our best shows are. They're Uh, awesome. Awesome. Was that the answer? They're all uh, great. That's that's what I was uh, uh, I was gonna say, or either that, or I was gonna say, just please don't go to the back catalog. Just hope yeah. that it gets better. <laughs> stick <laughs> stick with us now, and don't go back. I don't thought go the, back. 
I thought the draft question, like the the the, the episode where we did the draft, was yeah. was well thought out. Yeah, I was going to say conceptually it was a good episode. I don't yeah. know if it delivers on the. It didn't deliver. Or not. It was better in concept than yeah. in actual delivery, as so many things are. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but I I appreciate the way you framed that, and I do think what what we're trying to do now is uh you know figure out what the next phase of this podcast looks like. So sure. so we had a we had sort of an off week last week where where you and I met and just sort yep. of talked through like what are we thinking like what what's our trajectory here how how are we moving this thing into you know because we did the cross cutting concepts and I think that actually I'll say that went better than I thought I thought oh, it was I thought gonna, it was awesome yeah and I yeah. thought it was going to be like oh my god we're talking about some other stupid thing again this week and nobody's no. going to listen to that. I mean, that's no. basically what we're doing anyway is talking about stupid things, but, but, uh, but there are stupid things and we love them. So that, that, that brings something to the table. Sure. Um, anyway, so, so I, I like the way you framed that. And I just wanted to let people know the sort of backstory that we're trying to figure this out and we're going to keep fiddling with the format until we um, have something that we're, you know, totally satisfied with, which means we'll probably keep fiddling with it. But yeah. um but yeah, we I think we have some good plans for the for the weeks to come, and uh, and that's exciting. Yeah, we have a plan. Look at us. A plan. Yeah. So yeah. here, I, I guess you know, I guess the the things I've learned from this this past year is is that technology isn't enough, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we so this this digital divide that has existed for ever, right? There's a digital divide. Uh, that uh, exists in our schools, and most of it relates to access to technology, whether it's the access to like devices or the access is access to internet. Um, you know, the, statistically, most school districts have internet in in our country, and they, and they have access to broadband. Um, but you know, m- most schools were not one to one schools. Um, some schools were, and and most of them were like maybe middle schools or high schools, and elementary schools typically weren't, or if they were, they were you know had iPads, and it was about it. Um, and so when this hits, uh, it forced schools to confront that, con- confront the digital divide, right? They, at least one aspect of the digital divide, right? And we could talk a little bit more about that because um, access is sort of like the beginning stages of the di- digital right. divide. Um, and so school districts, you know, went all in. They're just like they had to, right? Because their kids were home. And and what we learned was that technology wasn't enough. And and those of us who like have a little bit, you know, more knowledge about the digital divide recognize that because it's, mm-hmm. you know, access is just one stage of it. The second, you know, second stage of the digital divide is like how we use technology and what we're using technology for. And mm-hmm. we find that there's a huge divide in terms of what, you know, um, urban schools are using and poor schools are, are using technology for, and then, you know, other, you know, schools are, are using the technology for. And so there's a, a great expanse in how different districts based on, you know, racial lines, based on socioeconomic lines, based mm-hmm. on so many areas that there's a divide and a disparity in how they use technology. And so what I think that this did was force us to confront that. It forced us to confront those disparities and really, clear ways right and 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 i don't think we solved it right (laughs) no i think it's safe to say we did not solve it no and and buying devices didn't didn't solve it all it did was it's you know helped some of it but it didn't solve any of it well and one of the things that it exposed i think even more so so i i think i agree with you um and and sort of and yes and in that um 
you know, the other piece that it really exposed in terms of access was ability to connect to the internet. So right. like, so one-to-one when everybody's coming to school, like, okay, it feels like that's real fair, but now those kids are going home right. um, or being in home all the time. And so what we saw is like crazy solutions to the fact that, that we have huge disparities in terms of internet access. So people like the, the school districts who put like a Wi-Fi hotspot in a bus, bus and had it right. like go park in a parking lot, or we're buying those little, um, you know, Wi-Fi hotspots for individual kids or whatever, or parents driving to the school and parking in the parking lot so their kid or, can get or out driving to McDonald's, or, right? Or right. Or driving. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that whole access to the, um, to the internet and that, that, happen, you know, you think like, oh, well in the city, that'll be easy because everybody's right. very dense. Turns out not. Wow. And then rural places, it's really hard because people yeah. are spread out all over the place. And it's like, well, okay, so what do we do about that? And the companies, you know, the cable companies aren't going to provide access for all these people. And because they're already getting crushed by the fact that everybody's now at home and they right. have to retool their whole business plan because they're used to delivering internet to all these businesses. And now none of those businesses need any internet because nobody's in them and everybody's at home. So now they got to rejigger all their systems. So the big tubes go out into the suburbs and places where people are living and, and, you know, all that stuff, like the carry down effects of how much our infrastructure assumes a certain way of operating the world, right? Like the people get up in the morning and they go somewhere else and do their work in that somewhere else mostly. And then they go home. Like when that went, when that went upside down, like it's amazing what it did to our infrastructure and our ability to, to deliver um, any sort of instruction or even connect with our students. I think the other thing with that is that it, it, opened i think a lot of teachers and administrators eyes to the home conditions of our students mm, right because yeah. like we're getting technology into their hands we're getting you know uh access points hotspots, whatever they were trying to do to try to get you know access to the internet for the for our students and then we had sort of like this window into the home life of of different kids and and I think that was eye-opening to – it was like, a, a, like a, a crushing blow of cold water being splashed in people's faces like, wow. You know, yeah. these are – because, I mean, it's one thing to like, you know, think about it, right, and say, okay, well, we know that the, these, these – you know, this kid comes from, you know, a – you know, this environment or we have, you know, the, the mom works or the dad works or, you know, whatever the situation is. So, so we sort of like paint a picture in our heads, but it's another thing to be actually confronted with the reality of that, right. Of what that looks like, because the kids trying to work while there's in some cases chaos going on around them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then we're like going Hey, you got it. You, you didn't submit this thing. Right. Or you didn't, right. you know, you're, you're late or, Hey, you didn't log in on time or, all of that stuff and and so i think that was the uh the eye-opening thing for me is that we you know we got to see a little bit more of what uh and like i'll I'll give you for instance my my wife you know i've I've mentioned before she's a school counselor and just recently she was um one of one of her kids lost internet access and so they the school had uh hot spots and so she went and dropped off a hot spot at, at the kid's home um and she's like just remarking at the at the conditions the kid was living in and trying to learn in and and it was something that you know for the kid it's like it's just home right but mm-hmm. it's just 
all of the extra stuff that the kid is having to work through. I mean, it's like they're coming and trying to learn with like almost one part of their brain tied behind their back, right? Because they're dealing with all this other stuff. And, and I think that we're, we'd better learn how to deal with that, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's not going to, it's not like magically, you know, going to be that, oh, they're coming back. They're coming back to school, you know? Yay. Yeah. And I think actually, you know, like you're saying, it's, it's really almost the reverse of that, that these, this has been the situation with kids coming to school and, and we're just recognizing it. Not that's, that's unfair, yeah. but we're seeing the stark reality of it because we're having to go into people's homes in ways that they had not anticipated. Right. I mean, one of the things I, I was just stunned by um, is, you know, this, the, my students are student teaching. And so I go to watch them, visit them, observe them via zoom. And, um, and, you know, you go into a middle school classroom and and there's a mandate in, uh, as far as I can tell, there's a mandate to have your camera on, but what, Mm. (laughs) so the sort of passive aggressive way that kids deal with that, or the self-protective way that kids deal with that is they have their camera on and they're just showing like from their hairline up and then the ceiling of their house, right. You know, because they, either they don't want to be on camera or they don't want their home on camera or whatever. I mean, they're basically saying, yeah, I've got my camera and you can see enough of my head to know that I'm actually still sitting in front of my laptop, but I'm not going to give you any more than that. I'm going to, I'm going to control my privacy to this degree and say like, you don't get access to everything in my house. You get access to the top of my head and my ceiling. And, um, and that's all I'm going to give you. Um, so I, yeah, I think it's really interesting from that point of view too, what, what, um, what the social implications of it are and how kids are dealing with, with this new sort of intrusion of, I mean, if you want to think about it that way, the intrusion of the state into their homes, like people are, you know. Yeah, that's, that's a great way of framing that. And I mean, it is, it's, it's an intrusion for a lot of people because they've been able to, I mean, I think back to like, this is going to uh, totally date me, but mm. like, uh, but Nobody like, knows how old you are anyway. I know. Everyone thinks you're like 22. They're like, wow, wow listen to his voice. I know. He, he sounds so, smooth. I know. Um, no, like Pretty in Pink, right? Like that, that, that movie Pretty in Pink in which, yeah. you know, I mean, we have these, you know, a, a really wealthy guy and, you know, a, a, a girl, Molly Ringwald, who grows up on the other side of the tracks, right? And when they're dating, she's just like, don't drop me off in my house. I mean, it's very clear. Don't drop me off in my house. I don't want you to see where I live. Well, why not? Why don't you, I don't want you to see that, right? Mm. And, and so she was protecting herself and her family um, from that, from that, what, from all of that, right? And yeah. I don't want to put baggage on it or even to assume of what that is. Um, but, you know, we didn't give them the option. We gave no one the option. It was just like, this is it. This is it. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to, and those schools who mandated these cameras, you know? So when, when, as we go back to school, you know, I think that one of the things that we had better do, and I'm going to share a quote that I saw online that I think is, okay. and I'll, I'll put this in there. It says, so this is from uh, Teresa Thayer Snyder, who's a superintendent in, in an upstate New York school district or was a superintendent she retired she says when the children return to school they will have returned with a new history that we will need to help them identify and make sense of when the children return to school we will need to listen to them let their stories be told they have endured a year that has no parallel in modern times there's no assessment that applies to who they are or what they have learned remember their brains did not go into hibernation during this year their brains may have not been focused on traditional school material but they did not stop either 
Their mm -hmm. brains may have been focused on where their next meal was coming from or how to care for a younger sibling or how to deal with missing grandma or how it feels to have to surrender a beloved pet or how to deal with death. Our job is to welcome them back and help them write that history. And I'm like, yes, she gets it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so I'm going to use that as a way to transition to my first thing that I learned from the pandemic. Um, and, and if you don't know about that, there's this blog, I don't know if you've heard of it, the eight blog. Do you know about this? <laughs> I might've heard of it. You, okay. So there's the, there's this guy, Ollie or Oliver. I don't know which way he, he prefers. <laughs> um, Ollie Dreon, who, uh, who writes this pretty good blog, um, that's been going for like 10 years now. How long has it been going? It's, it's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like so let's say 10 years to conservatively. Yeah. And, and Ollie is inviting, uh, friends and family to write a little, uh, post. So I wrote a post for Ollie, um, to put on his blog and, um, and I appreciate the opportunity to do that, but, but what it was about and what I want to talk about is this idea of relationships. Uh, and I think you made a great segue into it, right? Yep. Like understanding that, um, teaching is a relational activity and that we are, if, if, if I feel like people should learn nothing else from this pandemic, it's that that is the highest priority. Sure. Like the, the idea that teaching is about the communication of knowledge from one person to another. Like, I feel like that's been dead for 50 years and it's just still walking around like a zombie, but this, the pandemic, I think has to, to put into real perspective, like the nature of what it means to teach and that teaching is about relationships with other human beings. And, and if we lose track of that, um, we're in deep trouble. And, um, and, and so I guess the way I want to say that that plays out specifically for me is I feel like with my students, I've been for the last year, so starting last spring and through the fall and into this spring, um, I feel like I've been making, making intention um, towards building that relationship because there were so many opportunities in, in the old world, in the pre-pandemic world to build those things in all sorts of informal ways. Students would get there early because, you know, as I said, like their bus get, gets there early. So they're like, Oh, I'm going to hang out for 20 minutes with you, you know, Scott, cause I, cause that's when my bus gets here. And so my, my folks would see me and I would see them and they would see each other. They'd, they'd hang out in the room together and they'd chat and they'd then hang out after class. And, and uh, all that's gone now. Now they they log in at either the time or a minute after or whatever. And they as soon as class is over, their camera goes off and they're done. Yeah. And during class, they basically don't interact with each other unless I put them in small groups. Like there's there's no way to have a side conversation in Zoom. It just doesn't exist. Um, I mean, a little bit through chat, but but yeah. it, you know, it's it's like we've we have to recognize that one of our jobs now as um, as teachers is to build relationships, us with our kids and our kids with each other. And that, that all that implicit sort of serendipitous community building that happened that we took entirely for granted is now gone. Yeah. And we, and, and as a result, we really have to think about the idea of like, Oh, did I cover enough material this semester? Did I get yeah. all the things? Did I meet all my objectives? It's like your objective is to get a relationship with your students, all the other stuff. Well, and that's the thing I, I, that's the thing I think that as we're coming back, as, as schools are coming back, if they, if teachers and, and administrators don't make an intentional effort to foster relationship building, if they just assume, okay, we're back, let's, let's do the death march to the end of the year, right? With the, with fun sauce, with fun sauce, right? Going back a ways for there. Um, but if we do that and we're like, okay, this is our time to catch up 
in the mm. curriculum, then they've learned nothing from this year, right? Yeah. If that's what they're like going, okay, we have nine weeks left. Let's, let's try to get through as much content as we can. Let's to get say, people back on grade level. Back on grade level. Let's get them back. And, and I think that they'll have missed so much. They, mm. they didn't get it. They didn't get it. You know, no. and and that's the thing I worry the most about is that what they're going to try to do is to say, OK, we have got to catch up. Right. Yeah. Catch up. Right. Yeah. And and instead of heal or instead of like like catch up content wise versus catch up like, hey, right. like I've catch missed up with you. your friends. Yeah. Right. It's like what how do we catch up? Because I think the one is way more important than the other. There you go. There you go. That's a nice one. The wrong kind of catch up, right? Right. Like we, we want the right kind of catch up. We do want to come back and say like, how are you, man? Like I haven't, I, I didn't. Right. And for, in some cases, like I have not seen you, right? Yeah. Like they, I have not seen you in the flesh, maybe for this whole school year in some right. cases, because there are schools that were remote, full remote from, right. you know, August or September till now. And now some of them, as you say, are opening up, but well, um, they saw half of the half of their yeah. friends, right? They got to see yeah. the ones that fell into their letter group, right? And right. so, you know, there there are lots of kids that my son has not seen. And yeah. so, when they when he goes back, if it if it's if teachers are going, okay, you know, we are we should be on chapter seven, and we're only on chapter five. We're gonna nose move to into, the grindstone, right? It's like fifth gear. We got to get like ramp it up, and you know, pull out your pencils and notebooks, and let's get going. One if, chapter test a week until the uh, end of the semester. And it's like that right there is is missing the point. It's but missing. you know, but you know, there are gonna be people that do that, right? I mean, no, absolutely. And there's going to be administrators who are going to say that, right? They're going to demand or, it. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's my, you know, my second point, I guess, is maybe just, you know, framed just a little differently is all of the affective dimensions, how critical they are, right? Mm. And, 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 and I think that the relational stuff is, you know, a subset of that, or maybe the affective stuff is a subset of the relational. I mean, mm. we can, we could, you know, discuss Debate that. Debate that Venn diagram. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like really important, no. but I think they both, you know, get at the the same thing is that, you know, our, our emotions, like we can't learn without feeling safe, without feeling, you know, important, without feeling connected. We can't, I mean, these are something that's bred into us and our DNA. These are the things that make us, you know, human, right? And, and that social aspect the social element is critical to who we are as humans it's what makes humanity work and um and for us to miss that point in schools i think is the is yeah is going to be a real misstep yeah. yeah no and i and i do hope that there is a recognition of this and and that um you know people are are humane about it right i mean i know one of the things um that happened in the spring when we sort of pivoted quickly to remote in most places is well at least at the university I, I think this happened to some degree in in k-12 schools though i don't think it was as extreme is that te- you know faculty actually increased the workload they're like right. okay well you're going to be home all the time now with all right. this free time because of the pandemic so we're going to like double all the workload so now we can do even more than we thought it'll be awesome and you know this, I remember our students were like broken. Like yeah. they came in and they're like, you guys are the only ones who have actually scaled back assignments and are listening to the fact that we are all hurting here and need less. And all our other faculty are just 
dialing it up. Like, yeah, you need more. You, you this is right. a great opportunity for us to cover more content. And, um, and I think there was, I think, I, I hope I got a sense that the fall wasn't quite as bad, but I think the fall was still, we're going to have the same expectations as usual. And by expectations, again, and we're talking about content expectations, mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to cover the same amount of material material, even though we're in this new environment. So this, you know, and maybe this is a larger point for us that, that you know, we're learning spaces people. And we've been talking about this recently too, but, but, um, but the idea that like, all learning spaces should have the same expectations. Like that seems bananas to me. Right. Like we, we, but then we switch modes and we just say, Oh yeah, well we're switching modes, but everything else stays the same. It's like, well, that's crazy. Like we would not, that, that, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Like, um, so, so I think that's a really interesting idea of, you know, to what degree are we recognizing that, you know, and again, you know, this, this is my hobby horse. I, I recognize it, but, but it, it's, it's a function of treating teaching as a transactional activity, yeah, because if you exactly. do it, that's what it comes back to. If you treat it as transaction, then, then it doesn't matter whether you're sitting in the classroom together, whether you're over zoom or whether you're typing in a message board, because all it is, is communicating information from one person to another. And it's basically one direction. Yeah. Not, not the amazing, uh, boy band, but just that, that <laughs> it only goes in one direction. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think, I think that's this, it's another one of those pernicious, um, side effects of the transactional view of teaching, um, which is that, okay, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you're all virtual. Yeah. All that serendipitous interaction with each other and community building is gone, but you'll be fine. Just keep cranking away at those widgets and get that content covered. Yeah. That's that. I think that that was the thing that in the fall and in the spring last spring, when I was, you know, in this role as and on, on campuses, you know, professional developer last spring, I was just like trying to get people to say, Hey, look, pull it back a little bit. You know, and I had friends who, you know, colleagues who were just recording like hours long videos and just be like, okay, well, this is what I would do in, in my class. I would have done this three hour lecture. I'm going to do this three hour lecture. I'm like, hold on. You're creating something that like no one is going to watch, you know, well, I'm going to assign it. So of course they're going to watch it. I'm like, nope, they're not, Mm -hmm. you know, you've just wasted three hours, you know, and, and it, it does. It's, I would say maybe that's a conversation we can have, or I'll put this on our list is, you know, if we're changing learning environments, what are the things that, that cross across them? I mean, these are some of our design. Yeah. I was going to say, are there design principles that hold across all learning environments? Well, well, I would, yes, uh, there, (laughs) there are, yeah, there there are, but like, what about like, so if we were to create a, a lesson, like, you know, what would be the same across, I mean, I think objectives, you know, maybe the learning objectives, maybe, I think yeah. that's, that, we'll put a pin in that. Yeah, yeah, we're that's, putting a pin in that. But I think that's a I, really good conversation, right? It there. is a good conversation. And I do think this idea of design principles is an interesting idea. And because we've talked about it. And yeah, absolutely. So I don't think it's interesting just because you just happen to bring it up now, but it happens to be something we were, we're talking about. Have muddled, muddled around with. Yeah, but I think, I think the idea that there can be principles that guide the way that you design a learning environment, but the manifestation of those principles should be different. It should be the case that face-to-face learning doesn't look like or behave like or have the same properties as as a remote learning environment. 
right? And and therefore, but but there are things that are core values, our design principles, whatever you want to call them, that should be baked in and should be identifiable across those environments. So I think it's, I think, I think we might want to talk about that. Right. And, and I think that what happens is that, and this is as someone who works in the ed tech community, uh, I, this is a criticism from an insider, not as an outsider, but I think we get caught up in terminology so much, right? The, ter- the terminology, you know, like, is it high flex? Is it flex? Is it polysynchronous? Is it simul teaching? What, well, there's one that what simultaneously teaching. There's like a phrase that, you know, folks were using for that simultaneous. Well, I don't know. I, yeah, I you please, know, it's okay. Yeah, we don't yeah. need to hear them all. Right. But, but that's what they do is that they throw all these, this terminology. And that to me is, is missing the point. That's missing the point completely. Yeah, I agree. All right. So, uh, do you have another one? Because the, the second phase of this was what are we interested in, right? Is what are we interested in, in seeing yeah. or learning or studying or examining? Um, yeah, or or carrying forward or whatever, right? right. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the ones that I, I, I think I've learned a lot more about and I want to keep um, that I think I did a little bit, but I, but I, I uh, before all the pandemic, but now I'm really thinking seriously about how I can incorporate it more self-consciously into the way that I think about teaching, which is this idea of like shared digital objects. Mm. So a lot of what, um, a lot of what I ended up doing in the way that I pivoted my instruction was um, I still had students in small groups. I still had them working together on things. Uh, But what we used to do was sit them around a table and they'd work on a whiteboard and, and together and then put it on the wall. And then you put it up and, and share it. And so I realized, you know, obviously that can't happen now. So we went to more shared digital objects and things like Jamboards or just even Google slides or whatever to, to let students like build things together and share them. But I think this idea of thinking about, um, you know, sort of the object permanence that comes with shared digital objects, especially in classrooms like higher ed classrooms that, that don't, you know, you can't, you can't treat them the same way. So this actually calls back to, um, to a open innovation challenge thing I did at Penn state where I, where I, um, you know, was talking about digital residue and this idea of like, you know, classrooms, especially in higher ed don't get, don't have anything left in them when the class leaves it it's a blank slate every time every class and so this idea of how do you build a sense of ongoing intellectual work of a particular kind that's linked to a particular class in a room well i'm increasingly you know i've been pushed towards this idea of shared digital objects because those digital objects can live in all sorts of places they don't have to be in the classroom they but you can access them easily in the classroom and you can put them up on the projector and you can do stuff so i think that's one of the things i'm real i feel like you know i'm really going to think about carrying forward into the into next fall is this idea of shared digital objects yeah that's great that that i think that what's cool about that is that one it ties to one of our our you know design principles um that you know, one of them was uh, learning leaves a trail. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, when you when you learn, it's a there's there's something there's something uh, to throw out the reification of learning, mm-hmm. right? That it's yeah. um, but uh, but I, I think what's cool about that is that there's an, a, the the affordances of those digital objects. I think give us some some real cool opportunities that we've learned that you know because I, like I I think we've you know, in a classroom environment, I gravitate to those pencil, you know, markers, you know, mm-hmm. big, 
uh, because yeah. I, th I think there's an access point, but they also have limited utility beyond that, right? It's like when the class is done, we throw all the stuff in the garbage can. Um, but now there's a permanence. There's a, a you, we can go back, we can revise, we can go, like revisit, we can say, mm -hmm. hey, here's what we're thinking in week one and here's what you're doing in week 15. There's some real neat opportunities that um, I think we're, we'll, will become realized. And I think that kind of ties into my first point, which is I'm really interested to see how schools and, and, and also, you know, whether it's higher ed or, you know, or K to 12 are going to use technology moving forward. Like, mm -hmm. are we just going to go back, like, especially in K to 12 environments when they have access to more technology than they ever did before. Right. And they have more, not just like the actual devices, but also all of the software and all of the, you know, things that the applications that they purchased it's like what what how are they going to use that now like what are they going to do with it now like is it going to be something where they are doing some of these learning objects like i, I will say that my, my my son has created more videos and things as a documentation of his learning in the last like year than he did through all middle school. And he, he's mm -hmm. been going to a one-to-one -one school, right? Mm -hmm. Like his school, yeah. middle school was a one-to-one, -one, his high school's a one-to-one. -one, and most of it was just a textbook, right? And now the, the teachers were, you know, I don't want to say forced, but they were, because of the pandemic, were, you know, required to rethink how they look at assessment. And so what they did was they looked at, hey, there, here's some other ways we can assess students. Hey, create a video where like, um, this weekend, my son's going to record a Spanish dialogue where he has to have him and a char another character dialogue in Spanish. It has to be recorded. It has to be so many minutes long. It has to have so many uh, you know, pieces of dialogue between it. And they've given him the setting. So he has to create the whole thing around it. Mm -hmm. He would have never done that prior to this year right? Mm -hmm. Like it would right. have been, here's a test, fill in the blank or write down or, you know, translate these sentences. But now the, the teacher, and I'll, I'll say, I, I, this is the first year he's working with this teacher, so I can't say never, but I will say right. that based on my experiences with what he did at the middle school, that didn't happen. You know, so now he's in ninth yeah. grade at the high school and I'm like going, I hope some of the sticks, stuff sticks around. I hope it does because we've opened, we've opened this can, right? Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's going to yeah. be hard to put that toothpaste back in the, I'm mixing metaphors here. You did, you, you, but, uh, you had me and then you, you slipped. And, yeah, but I thought that was a, be, a, be a better way of framing it is like yeah. the toothpaste is out of the tube, you know, yeah. and I, I hope we, we, we learn from that, you know, I, yeah. I, I'm going to jump to my second one because I think that it is going to move us in a new direction. I think it comes back to that catch-up thing is that I'm really interested in see what happens with assessment at the, like the big mm. scale, right? Because mm. I think there's going to be, there's two ways and I, I don't know. I'm going to, I, I'm going to predict that it's going to be the one versus the other. Cause there's one, one thing where I go, okay, you know, our schools didn't crumble because we canceled assessments last year. Like we canceled the SATs, we canceled the ACTs, we canceled like lots of, you know, I'm not using that from a cancel thing, but we just, they, we just couldn't do them. Like there was, you know, some AP testing that happened. There were some SATs that happened online, but for the most part, the widespread mass assessments, you know, took a break. We put a pause on it. Right. Yeah. And, and things didn't go to hell. Right. Right. Like the schools didn't crumble down. And so part of me goes, I hope we learn that, you know, the assessment isn't the learning. The learning still was going on. Mm -hmm. But then I worry about the second 
way, the second way people are going to look at it is say, well, we need to figure out like exactly how far behind, quote unquote, I'm putting those in quotes, how Mm -hmm. far behind our kids are, Mm -hmm. like how, where they should have been and where they are, because this is, I can keep hearing it. This was a year that was lost. Yep. Right. And it goes back to that point you were saying before is that, you know, the catch up, right? Like what, like it, they learned, students learned. Like, where's the benchmark that, yeah, we sure we have a benchmark. Maybe, I don't know. But like, my concern is that we're going to use assessment from that standpoint. Like we're going to assess kids more than ever because we want to make sure that they're meeting whatever some, you know, politician thinks that they need to be. Yeah. That's my, that's my biggest fear. That's my biggest. And I think that's a well-founded fear. I mean, I think we have a, we have a long history, um, well, especially in contemporary times, last 50 yeah. years or so of, of putting a lot of emphasis on that idea. Um, and I don't see, I, I mean, I, I love that you have two scenarios. I, I don't think the first scenario is, is the likely outcome. And it goes back to this, you know, again, I, uh, the transactional nature of teaching metaphor, which is right. like, oh, well, if this year we didn't get as much content then these kids are are behind, you know, or broken or not as good as the students that had a regular experience this year, uh, or would have, you know, previously. Um, so we have to make up for that. And, and the way that we make up is usually through remediation and remediation usually means bad things, right? It's like anytime you're doing remediation, it's like, oh, so this is what we're going to do. You're going to reteach me stuff that I already got quote unquote taught once before. And so now what was boring is going to be like double down boring. And I'm really going to want to like gouge my eyes out with a spoon because all you're doing is like talking at me about stuff that I literally have heard before and tried to forget. And now you're making me remember them just because it's a thing that you want to do. So yeah, I'm, I'm not optimistic. Well, Um, that's the second scenario is the one that scares scares me because we're going to get this data and then what are we going to use that data for are we going to require kids to come during summer are we going to have kids like repeat grades are are we going to say look school x kept them in three days a week you know and the school y did this we're going to create all sorts of like how we use that data is going to be really really scary well And, and right and what we know, we know is because we know the way this data gets used already right. is that it's going to u- get used against m- the marginalized people the most. Right. So it's going to be who who's going to be in school all summer long. It's going to be, you know, the black inner city kids. It's going to be the rural yeah. poor white kids. It's going to be the kids who are already marginalized by our system. And they're going to say, okay, well, you guys need more school. So all the other kids who, you know, are going to get their normal summer to try and recover from this horrific year. Like not you guys, you guys got to get more school to get you back on track. And we under-resourced those schools already. Oh yeah. Right? And so, yeah. Yeah. So my, my, that's my biggest fear. And I know, I know what's going to happen, but I, I still have to present the other side, right. That maybe, Hey, we learned that assessments were, were, you know, that important. So, but that, that's, I think you're right. Is that, uh, so we went down a dark little hole right there. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, it's the nature of, of these issues, right? Like we have, we still, you know, this is something that's down the road for us is talking about, you know, sort of um, white supremacy and racism and it's, and it's influence on our society and our school system. But I do think, you know, 
this is a going to this is a, cl- a a place where it's going to raise its head right and the yeah. kids that um you know that are the high achieving you know suburban well resourced kids are going to get the break right they're going to get to relax they're going to get the summer they're yeah. going their parents are going to say hey you don't have to work this summer why don't you just hang out you know you had a rough year and and you know and that that stuff is is yeah, pernicious. And, and it's going to compound the problems for the people that already have problems, right? It's hard enough, like for those kids. And and now we're going to pile on that. Yeah. Oh yeah. You got to do summer school because your grades sucked. It's like, well, yeah. my grades sucked because I didn't have internet access. Well, that's not our problem. Like right. too bad. Cause we are food insecure because we yeah. didn't have heat because, you right. know, mom's been out of work for like yeah. the last, because she's a frontline worker and she got COVID right. and maybe family members died. Like, it's like, right. what are we doing? Yeah. What is wrong with us? God damn. Sorry. <laughs> <sighs> All right. You have something else or do we, or, or is it time to transition right. to joys? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Because otherwise we're going to be in the pit of despair. Oh gosh. Yeah. No, it's, 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 this is supposed to be an optimistic episode because, you know, schools are opening up, things are opening mm-hmm. up, you know, there's, right. you know, yeah, that's, that's what this was intended yeah. to be. There you go. Yes, and we went and screwed it up in the end. It was right because I brought up the assessments, yeah, topic. All right, so Scott, you have something else, or should we jump into joys? No, I think we can go directly to joys. Okay, I have a simple one. I have a simple one. I'll just jump You're right. A simple in. man with simple. I, I was simple yeah. pleasures, and this one is I, I've told you before, before about my love for music. I, you know, you could go back through and, and look at all the music joys I've shared over the last mm-hmm. thirty some episodes. Uh, I'm a big fan of Spotify. If you don't have Spotify, I love it. Uh, but Magic Playlist. Go Google Magic Playlist. And what you can mm. do, Magic Playlist, is you can put in a single song. Ooh. A single song. Something that you're like, I love this song. And you can put it in and then say, make a playlist. And you can make a playlist that's an hour long, a two hour long, or a three hour long playlist and it goes right to spotify and so i love it i love it i love playlists but but i think that one of the things about me making playlists is that when i make a playlist it's it only really has the songs that i know in it right because i'm making Mm. the playlist whereas magic playlist goes hey here's some other songs that might be connected to this and so you can learn new music as you're it's still in that same sort of vibe still the same sort of you know and it's like awesome you know it is so great magic playlist check it out all right nice I like simple it. simple simple um and and i'll say so i'll stick with the music theme um because i don't usually do a music thing i know <clears throat> so so this is just a uh this so this sort of is a rabbit hole i'll 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 be clear so um this past sunday in the new york times they had they have this special episode where they talk about like important music for the last year and they sure. name a bunch of artists and and so you know christine and i my wife were 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 reading you know we're reading through this and there's this uh this thing about these two young people dami and jd beck so um I'll, I'll put, we'll put links in the show notes, but, but so these two are these like wonderkins, right. And then I think he's now maybe 17 or 18 and she's like 20 or something. So they're, they're really young and they're jazz musicians. Right. But they're like a whole different 
universe of jazz musicians. And um, so I, I'm not even going to try to explain these. Sure. I'll, I'll put the, I'll put the article, the New York times article in the show notes and some of their um, I've got one entire live show that's like from LA. That's like an hour and something, but, but they have a bunch of shorter clips, uh, especially ones that they've done for, for um, like rep and music um, or, or instrument companies, um, which, but like it, it was, um, it was like a magical experience for me. And I'm not That's a cool. jazz person. I just want to be perfectly clear. Like, I don't understand anything about jazz. I mean, I listen to jazz occasionally, but I, I would not say I'm like an aficionado and I can appreciate, like, I can't even tell when they're like, one of the things that they play these two is um, John Coltrane's giant steps, which is classic. And I've heard it sure. a million times. Like I, that's one of the few, like, white guy who listens to jazz jazz albums that I had was John Coltrane and um, giant steps. And, and when I hear them play it, I can't even recognize it. Right. And, but you know, the jazz people are like, Oh my God, look at what they're doing with this. Yeah, that's but, cool. um, but I, I just got to say like, he's the drummer, she's a keyboarder. That's it. Like that's all they play, but she, well, he's phenomenal. Like he's obviously phenomenal. Even if you don't understand drums, you just watch him and you're like, Oh my God. But I feel like she's the, she's like the one that sneaks up on you because you're watching her and she's playing keyboard and you're like, oh, she's playing keyboard. And then they show like from above what, what she's doing. And she's playing like the whole melody with her right hand. And then she has a smaller keyboard above and she's playing the entire bass line. So she's playing both the bass and the melody simultaneously. So she's playing the bass with her left hand and, the, and like the, the mel- melody slash keyboard main um, musical themes with her right hand. And you're just watching her do this. And it's like, how does her brain do that? Ah, that's I, so cool. I, it, it's so anyway, um, if you, if you want, uh, if you want like a, a moment of pure unadulterated joy, Dami and JD Beck, um, look at like the Nord live session, uh, N-O-R-D is, and I'll put, again, we'll put all this in the show notes, but that one is short. It's like four minutes long, but it, that's the one that really gives you an idea of what the heck's going on. And then you can go look at, if you're, if you're drawn in by that to the LA show where they're, they're hilarious. Like they're playing, she plays like fart noises into the microphone. Like they're goofball, like that's kids. Cool. And then they start playing and you're like, what is going on here? Anyway. Yeah, I'll, I'll be checking that out because that's, that's not my, I'm certain my son will, will be into it. Like he's such a music kid and he'll just be into that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, he, yeah, they're, they're fantastic. And they, and they, it, they sound like hilarious, good people too, which, you know, always helps, but, yeah. but they seem like unaffected by the fact that everybody thinks they're, they're spectacularly good at what they do. So that's Two cool. musical joys on the same yeah. day. Look at that. Wow. Blown away. Blown away that's Fire awesome all cylinders so well, that so that we turned it around we, we, we did we went, we went dark and we came back out that's why we that's why we have this segment of the show right right because no matter Plus what the, happens we end with a joy we end with joy yeah and that's that's a good way to maybe that's that's what we should rename the podcast in the no and with joy no 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 yeah. all right because mm, i'm just gonna let you stew on that for a minute and think about why that would be a bad name for yeah. a podcast. I'll, I'll think about that <laughs> later. Yeah. Later. Off, uh, off uh, microphone. <laughs> you can think about why that might be a bad uh, name for mm, this podcast. Yes, I, I, I think so. Yeah, I'm just going to like, yeah. but, hey. We're it, just going to pretend you didn't that, say that. That's episode 33. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going to cut. We're going to cut that out of yeah. the episode <laughs> no we're gonna leave it in i mean we leave it. it's if it's in the show it's it, in the show it's in the show it's in, it's the, in show. the show all oh right God. i know all right hey well this is ollie 
and this is Scott, and this we'll has see. been Science In Between. See you next time. See you next time. In between. In between. <laughs>